I only know one way. That's the Padre way. I'm proud as heck to be a San Diego Padre. I played for one team. I played in one town. Smith is ready. Win waiting to pitch. There's a drive. Right center field. Base hit. And there it is. Ho-ho. Doctor. You can hang a star on that, baby. A star for the ages for Tony Gwynn. Number 3,000. Broadcasting from America's finest digital studios, this is the 5.5 Podcast. Today the guys will talk about the team crashing and burning the last couple weeks, they'll talk about the Padres Twitter softball team, and they will be joined by Marcus Pond from Mad Friars. Here are your hosts, Danny Ortiz and Eric LeBoo. And welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the 5.5 Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Ortiz, alongside Eric LeBoo. Welcome back, Eric. Hey, thank you. You're very welcome. So, uh, fresh off our uh, in-studio guest appearance with Stephen Woods, we are out of the woods and into the fire as the Padres are god-fucking-awful, Eric. Yeah, they're they're really bad, dude. Like, I I thought we were contending, and then, yeah. Yeah, as soon as we saw, hey, it's fun to watch them win. Boy, they have taken a shit. Um, now, their record in June is a little bit misleading because I looked it up because I'm thinking, you know, I haven't caught a ton of games of late, but a little busy. Had my daughter all week this week. But um, they have uh, they have lost a lot of late. Now, they're 10 and 12 in June, which would make you think, hey, we're still progressing. We're still right there. Not well, bad. Yeah, not bad. Well, piss off, guys. It's not true. They're two of their last eight, so out of their la- or two of their last ten. So out of their last 10, they're 2-8. Uh, they're 35 and 45 on the season. Remember when they were five games back about a week and a half, two weeks ago? I remember. Now they're 10 games back. You know, I told myself, I'm like, I know they're not going to compete. I know they're not. But just for my own peace of mind as a Padre fan, it would be nice in June to see them reach 500. I was like, I was quietly hoping Why? for it. Just so that they can, so that they can that say a- they've been at 500 at some point. But what does that accomplish? It accomplishes absolutely nothing. Well, at least That's you why can I prefaced admit it. it. I preface it that way for a reason. It. Like... I know they're gonna. I know that they're not gonna compete. I know they're not gonna contend. But I just wanted to see them get to 500, just so I could say, "Hey, holy crap! It's June, and my team is 500." But lo and behold, they uh, went right into the tank. So indeed, they did. Yeah. So like it was I a said, nice thought. 35 and 45 on the year, according to Baseball Reference. They are 10 and a half back going into tonight, which is actually game 81. Yeah. Um. So Halfway. tonight, tonight's game 81. Um. They are on pace to win 70 games. They'll probably end up being worse. They have the so eight. right on right on time for that sixty nine wins <laughs> like I predicted before a season. Nice. Yep. Uh, now, nice season. They have uh, the eighth worst winning percentage in all of baseball. They're not too far off from the seventh. I don't think they're going to catch up to the uh, the Royals who are on pace to win 48, 48 <laughs> games. That's the Hosmer effect, yeah. dude. They lost they lost Hosmer. Now look at them. They're Shut on pace up. to win fifty Shut games. Enough with that. Um, that's what happens when you lose prestige value. Yeah, that's that's what happens. Lucas right. Duda not bring the prestige value for you guys. Yeah, they're uh, they're not. Uh, I don't think they're going to catch them, the Orioles or the White Sox, who are all thirty five percent or worse on their winning record, uh, winning percentage. Yeah, it's a rough, rough year in Kansas City. That's terrible. Forty eight wins, I believe they're on pace for. <laughs> that's absolutely terrible. Dude. <laughs> they have a twenty nine percent winning percentage. Yeah, right? <laughs> so bad. So they're not going to catch them, but they're going to finish in the in the bottom ten. And great food to boot. As <laughs> yes, know. as we know. I don't think you've lost that weight yet. No, I haven't. No, you have not. Now, I'm um, so yeah, sorry, I'm not wearing a will lift for tacos tank top well, as you are right yeah, now. Well, you know, I don't really eat tacos, but I thought it was apropos <laughs> considering my skin tone of like, uh-huh, yeah. yeah, I've been to the beach. I'm very brown at the moment. <laughs> um, but no, they they've just been absolutely awful. Now there have been some things turning around. Hunter Renfro is. 
You know, uh, I mentioned it uh, when we were watching the game here, prepping. He's got an 80-point uh, differential between his batting average and his on-base. That's Which not is bad. great for him. Yeah, he's hitting 230. I mean, I think he's a 250 hitter, but that's pretty good. Yeah. I am pissed off that he's not playing every day because every time I see – I follow the Padres on Twitter, I believe. Definitely follow him on Facebook and Instagram. And every time I see the damn lineup, Jankowski's in the lineup while Renfro's on the bench and Margot and uh, Myers are out there. Why the hell is Jankowski starting? I feel like Renfro's played a good amount without having those numbers in front of me. I feel like he's played a, a decent amount. I don't feel like he's being shafted when it comes to playing time. But, you know, to your earlier point there is he's he's coming back. And me personally, when I watch him in games, I feel like he's actually palatable now. Like, I can actually sit there and watch a Renfro at bat and not want to pull my you hair can, out. You can take it. Yeah, like I'm sitting there. I'm like, dude. And there's been a couple times. I threw this out on Twitter. There's been a couple times where Renfro's up there, and I feel like he's gotten fucked by the umpire. Like, he'll he'll work a full count, and he gets rung up on a call, called strike three, and the the pitch is a ball, according to pitch tracks, and according to anyone that has two sets of working eyes. But then the umpire <laughs> calls him out strike three, whether it's Joe West or whoever the hell's behind the plate. I feel like Renfro's got fucked a few times in the last couple weeks, um, especially. So I think a lot of players are getting screwed on the strike zone. In fact, to the point to where a guy who I would have never guessed would have been all for it. Friar Field came out and said he wants robot umpires. I was wow. floored. Wow. <laughs> floored. Yeah. I would have never thought so. But yeah, I think we need to get to that point. But I mean, I think you got to play Renfro every day. If Cordero truly is out, the next guy in line yeah, on the is. depth chart. He went yeah. on the 60 day deal. Yeah. He's done. He's done. Until winter ball. He's finished. So yeah. he's truly out. You got to give Renfro the everyday playing time. I know he's in there tonight because uh, Hosmer's taking a day off because. He's a lowly 0 for 13 against Cole Hamill. Such a large sample size. Yeah. Man, he just owns him. Well, Kevin but, Acey insists that it's just a day off. So. Yeah, I'm sure. He also insists that uh, Freddie Galvis is underrated. So yeah. we'll take that with a grain of salt. But Jankowski doesn't need... I know I've been on this horn for a while. Jankowski doesn't need to be in the lineup. All the talk about maybe he's a future piece. Where's all that talk at? Yeah. It's nowhere. Because he's down to a... Let's see here. What's he hitting right now? He's down to hitting 285 with a 358 on base. Now, it's still pretty good. But yeah, he's it's only, still pretty good. He's only slugging 367. Mind you, he was hitting like 350 for a while. He's had a stark downturn. I'm not going to pull it up, but I think in like the last 25 or 30 games, Margot has completely turned it around. Like I said, he would. Yeah. And no Craig Meddy, he's not a bust. <laughs> Number one. Number two, I should say, I should have screenshotted that. When's Danny going to admit Margot's a bust? Yeah. Damn right. it. Um, number one, lucky number for you, I have it yeah. bookmarked. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. We pull it out when he makes an all-star team. Yeah. Um, but uh, number one, you know, Margot's turning around. He's not a bust. He's playing really well. But he's gone the opposite direction of Jankowski. Mm -hmm. But I think it's what's to be expected. I don't think Jankowski was going to hit at that level. He doesn't have enough power, even with the walks. He doesn't right. have enough power. So I think you have to play Renfro every day. I mean, they're losing anyways, and they're going to lose. I think Renfro needs to be out there every day. I know we keep saying this every week. But yeah, we. I feel like it's, you know, Groundhog's Day, you know, because <laughs> we're out here saying the exact same thing that we say every week. I mean, nothing's They're changing. not going to win. They're not in contention. They suck. Yeah. And they need to play the young guys. If your outfield's not Renfro... Uh, Margot and Myers, 95% of the time, outside of when some guys need an off day, then you're doing something wrong. Yeah. That'd be a perfect time to get guys a half off day by DHing Myers. And who's our DH today? AJ Ellis. Oh my God, I didn't even know I fell over when you told me. Why are you DHing your backup catcher? What if somebody gets hurt? Who's going to catch? I don't know. The underrated Freddie Galvis, maybe. So my thing is, and just kind of this thought. Myers just... maybe can catch. He was a catcher in high school. <laughs> yeah, sure. So this thought just came to me. Um, with you mentioning Hosmer being 0, in, 0 for 13 off of Cole Hamels. Do you, well, you said you weren't following along, but uh, last week, last weekend in San Francisco, uh, Jose Perella completely runs through a stop sign uh -huh. from Glenn Hoffman, third base. Nothing happens to him, which, I mean, oh, okay, whatever. 
Uh, I feel like he hasn't been playing a lot of late, though. Well, he was in the lineup the very next day, starting. Uh So I put out there, I'm like, wow, so Perella has been awful. Like, generally awful. He's been generally, he's been underwhelmingly mediocre. He runs through a stop sign, and he still plays the next day. There he is in the lineup. And everyone came out and said, who else are you going to play there, Spangenberg? It's a lefty on the mound. Sure, I looked up the split. Spangenberg sucks against lefties. He's about like 130-something. Perella just sucks. But then today, if you're going to bench Hosmer because he's 0 for 13 off of Hamels, why not give? Why not send that message to Perella and throw Spangenberg out? I don't care. The lefty-lefty matchup, I don't care. You can't have a guy sit there and run through a stop sign, especially a guy like Perella, and then start him the next day. I thought that was stupid. I, I think Perella doesn't need to be. He's a, he is a literal replacement level player stand with marver (laughs) fangrass has you gave him a shot i think that was the biggest thing that people disagreed with marver is that you don't have to hand him the job and say he's your guy but i think you owed it to yourself just like they did with jesus guzman give him a shot see what he can do every day and if he's not your guy great you have enough depth to, to plug in they didn't really they haven't done that i thought that's what they were going to do but they haven't they've in fact moved guys or held guys down or kept guys down like a swahe who i'd much rather see even though i'm not a big fan Spangenberg, who I've always been a fan of, they've kind of stunted their their playing time to accommodate Perella so they can get Cordero and Renfro or whoever in the lineup, which I think is asinine. Right. At this point, he is, at best, a replacement-level player. At best. Which is not bad. He's not a bad guy to have off the bench, but he shouldn't be out there every day. They should run Spangenberg out there and see what they've got. He looks so lost defensively, too. <laughs> it's just... It's funny because, oh, I think... Both defensive run saves and ultimate zone rating, I think, have him in positive rankings. But it's a really, really small sample size. He doesn't have anywhere near enough innings for that to be particularly telling. But it's just funny how it's we say, oh, he's awful. But, you know, if you go on advanced metrics, he actually doesn't seem to be very terrible. Right. Um, Fangraphs has him as almost worth the – or baseball reference has him as almost worth the win. But Ooh. I know. Ah. Yeah. I mean, that's – that's whatever. But, yeah, with Perella, hopefully he'll go to the bench soon. But uh, back to the point with Renfro and Margot, like, those two guys, like, that should – those two, along with Myers, who just came back, that should be your outfield every single day. Yeah. Like, every day, dude. Hosmer – Hosmer. Uh, Hunter Renfro's finally starting to turn it around. He's seeing the ball. He's uh, having good at-bats. Myers, really tracking the ball well with his eyes. That's what Sweeney says. Uh-huh. Uh, Margot's turned around too, still on the base pass, dude. He's kind of like, what the hell are you doing? Which I is kind of uh, weird, but I was reading uh, up um, because we were supposed to we we're supposed to have Sack Bun Dustin on yeah, eventually. So I yeah, was, that was my bad. I messed up with the scheduling. That's but. okay. That's okay. Um, I was doing my homework, and I'm like, man, he's got a lot of like Margot base running tweets on here. I wonder what's going on. So, and I know there's been a knock. I think since we got him, like for like, he's not he's not as uh, good a base runner as I think people expected. Thankfully, base running is a skill. So he doesn't also get on base a ton. So maybe the more he gets on base, the better he gets. But yeah. not something I'm too worried about for the uh, the young man. <laughs> As overall, our, the goal for Margot is to get on base, hit some extra bases, which he's been doing lately, uh, and play great defense, which he's always done. So yeah. he's turning around. He's exciting. But I agree. We, we got to, if you're going to lose, lose the right way and get the best players out there. Uh, Jankowski shouldn't be out there. Renfro should be out there every day. I, I reckon he gives you a better chance to win. If he's out there every day in the lineup. Did you say, I reckon? I reckon. <laughs> you like that? Is that good? Uh, oh, Hunter Renfro. I'm so glad great. you're doing better. I, I once had someone, and I won't say exactly who said it, but there was someone who told me that they were listening to one of our old episodes, oh, and God. they said that... Um, oh, I think I know where you're going with this. It was the first time they ever heard a Mexican use the word ilk. <laughs> 
and you I think just we saw this guy recently. And you just use the word reckon. At least we know he listens. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks. Thanks for we'll listening. See about but, that. Um, in terms of uh, so we're talking about contention. The Padres obviously are not contending. That whole oh we're in it. It's fun. Crap is gone. Led to a bunch of fun tweets and a bunch of fun ideas and rumors about and the rumors. Padres kicking the tires and looking to acquire Manny Machado. And that shit lit like a fire. <laughs> On the fucking San Fernando Valley. Right. Good lord, that that caught that caught so much momentum that the Padres are possibly looking into Machado. We can get him. It just makes sense, Eric, if they can get him. Yeah, thanks a lot, John Heyman, dude. So John Heyman put that out, and I feel like John, since the name John Heyman, which I mean, whatever you think about Heyman, all uh, I know is he gets crapped on by Brian Kenny on MLB now. Well, yeah, but the fact that a guy like Heyman would come out and write that, and not only say that, but put it in writing. To give it legitimacy, it's like, good lord, dude! Everyone knows there's no way they're gonna bring in Machado. And like he, in his article, and I was reading it again before uh, before we turned on the mic here, but like at the beginning of it, he says, "Oh, you know, the Padres, um, they maybe they can contend, maybe not." So he's already laying the foundation that hey, they're probably not gonna contend, which. We've said but, all year but long. But he throws in that hook. Maybe they can. Yeah, but maybe they could. It's a it's a jam packed NL West. And then he comes out and it's says, "It's like he's the National Enquirer." Right. And then he comes out and says, "Well, the Padres, there's no way they already stretched the pocketbooks as thin as they possibly could to bring in Hosmer. There's no way they would double that to sign Machado long term." Which is they're saying, hey, they're not going to sign him. So that's even more so saying they shouldn't do it. And then he goes, well, maybe it's just due diligence. You know, who knows? I'm like, man, slow day for you, Heyman. Like, you have to really <laughs> stretch, dude. I don't I don't get why he would put something like that out in the first place. And He's got to get readers. I mean, the goal, I, to, to their credit, and uh, they, they say this on, because, uh, again, I read a lot of fan graphs. Jeff Sullivan will say this every now and then. He's like, my job is to put out content. Even Brian Kenny says it. Remember when he had the Olduba Herrera as it stands? Is the best leadoff hitter of all time oh, today, yeah. but he made a good point. He's like, I'm not saying this guy's going to be the greatest of all time. He's obviously not, but I have to put out a show every day, so I got to come up with with topics. And it's the same thing with Heyman. He's just coming up with articles because he's got to write something. Now, have the Padres done due diligence on Manny Machado? Absolutely, they have. Any team except the Orioles, because number one, he's on their team, but number two. They're the Orioles. They don't do due diligence on anything. <laughs> so they probably don't even know that they're losing or that they need to be trading him. However, I think they've called him and asked him, like, hey, what are you looking for to get Machado? What are the chances are he'd be opening to talking extension? So I think every team is asking that. I think you owe it to yourself if you're a team thinking you're going to contend in the next five years because he's still really young and you're going to lock him up for probably eight to ten. I think you owe it to yourself to kick the tires on him. Even the Royals could look in at, hey, what, what, what would you guys want? for a Machado because we think we can turn it around in three to five years. It doesn't make realistic sense other than he would say, okay, I'll come over and I'll sign a 10-year, $400 million extension for the Padres to kick the tires on, to actually try to acquire him, to to trade, and they have the pieces to do it. They could probably Well, dumb, of course they do. Yeah, they could probably dumbfound the Orioles and not give up a lot <laughs> to do it, but well, it makes no sense. why would you do that when yeah. you can sign him as a free agent? Exactly. That's, that's his first note I had on here with the Machado and our, uh, our prep. And yes, we prepped. Um, so is, dumb. Dude. It makes no sense because next year, this year, he's going to cost you prospects. Now you might think, oh well, it's not on the payroll, but you get two months or whatever long you'd have him for for whoever, whatever six years each prospect you're giving up potentially mm-hmm. surplus value that you can use down the line to get maybe a Cole Hamels type. You know, he's three four years on his contract. You get him to compete. 
Next year, all you do is give up money, which they have in abundance, yeah. by the way. And they have money coming off the books after this year. Yeah, I think you know, they have dead money coming off. The only dead money they're still going to have is Shields' contract, I believe. And I, I don't know. I don't know if the White Sox are going to have to eat that option here. I, if I remember right, because I looked into this just the other day, I believe that they're estimated in HJ. You don't have to look it up because HJ probably will tell us after he listens. <laughs> Their committed money towards next year is anywhere from fifty-five to seventy-five million. So they have the flexibility to sign him. And if they say that they don't, they're lying. Like they have the flexibility to sign him. They won't do it. They won't do it. But they 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 do have the flexibility. But just seeing all the people, like uh, going back to H.A., like the Machado stuff is like his uh, the whole catnip for morons. <laughs> because, <laughs> That's my favorite. Because you sit in there and you see all the, you see all kinds of people. Hey, man. It's just fun to see the Padres mentioned in that same sentence from Machado. It's like, is it really? Like, it's not fun for me. You want so you you enjoy seeing someone sit there and say, "Oh, they should give up their prospects." You know, something that they've been working to build their system over years for Let's eighty honest, games of Machado. It's not that long. It's only been two and a half years. Whatever. <laughs> Nonetheless, still it's years. a testament to probably yeah. years. I mean, you look at it this way, right? When Jed Hoyer got here, that's when I feel like the rebuild really started. It's gone through some ups and down phases. Uh, some different chapters and different directions. But really, 2010 is when it was supposed to start. So they made the draft picks. They built the system. Preller kind of traded you know, Preller traded it off. I thought Josh Burns did a pretty decent job of uh, actually continuing uh, the build, although not as great. He did draft Trey Turner, who would be our best player right now, bar none. Right. But and then Preller gets here. He empties out the cabinet. He doesn't like the prospects, which I don't blame. Now that you look at it, I mean – It'd be nice to have Trey Turner, and even though he's hurt Joe Ross, but those are really the two best players he gave up. Like, we don't need Bowers, uh, as good as he could be. Um, and the other guys, like Andres, you know, Freed might hurt, maybe. But Andres, he's not. He's not that great. Man, Andres for the uh, Rays. I mean, who else did they really give up? Grandal kind of hurts, but he's not really. Kind of hurts. Yeah, he hurts you see, a lot. You see Austin Hedges back there? Yeah, he hurts a lot. Yeah, he hurts a lot. Yeah, but. It, he wasn't like a prospect that he gave up, right? He's, I, I think his time was number, his days were numbered here anyways because for whatever reason he was ostracized. But looking at what he's added in the last couple of years, why would you take all It's the best farm system they've had to the point to where the guys, I love fan graphs, in the article where they, they list like their top 32 prospects, which is insanely deep for them to have that many guys. This system, this is not verbatim, but this system is so deep that even with average prospect attrition they're still going to be good because they have so much talent so deep into that system yeah. Tirso Ornelas is, is making a name for himself right now already he, already yeah. this is his first full season in like affiliated ball and, and we'll he, have Marcus Pond on later to yeah. talk about Robert Stock and I'm sure we'll have some Tirso Ornelas yeah. questions getting oh, there too oh boy so. Tirso turned on yeah uh, but um, you know the, the system is so deep that it's it makes no sense because those are the guys that realistically you would have to trade because you're not going to trade Tatis, obviously. No. You're not going to trade anybody close like that. You're well, going to have to. There's, there's some people are saying that uh, they're like, oh, hey, if you have to package Urias to make it work, I'm going to do it. I am not going to give up. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Urias, and there are players I would trade him for. Oh, same. There's players I'd get. If you gave me, if Manny Machado had three years on his contract left um, and the Padres were realistically close. I would trade Tatis for him. That's interesting. It, it, I, I probably would too. It's, it, under those circumstances, it's much I more probably would palatable, too. right? It's much more palatable to do it in that circumstance than it is to trade him now. Even Urias, there are players I would have traded if the Marlins would have eaten enough fucking money. Hey, Giancarlo, come on down. We'll trade you, Urias. Why not? I would have. Yeah, if they eat enough money, it's all. It's only worth it to a certain degree, but. Right. 
that's the thing is that, you know, in, in certain situations, yeah, you do give up the future. The Padres are not there yet. The The Cubs gave up Chapman, who's gotten a lot of talk on Padres Twitter of late. Uh-huh. Um, but the, the Cubs gave up Glaber Torres for Chapman because they were right there. And they felt this is the – and they also uh, – no, they had signed Zobersacks. But that was the piece in their bullpen they thought, we've already got a really, really good bullpen. But he puts us over the top. We need him because we feel we're going to win and this he, year. And he put and them won. over top. They yeah. didn't even he's put a little him gassed, over the top. A little yeah. gas towards the end there. Oh well, yeah, he yeah. was. But yeah. But you're right. You know, he he helped put them over the top. He gave them that lockdown, high leverage reliever they needed. That was worth six or seven years of Glaber Torres, who to me is unanimously now the rookie of the year. Yeah. He was already in the running anyways. I might have given him given it to him over Otani anyways. Everyday shortstop, DH pitcher, but unanimously is probably going to win rookie of the year. But still, you can understand where the Cubs were coming from to get two months of Chapman. The Padres getting two months of Machado, is it fun to think that the Padres can be in on him? It'll be fun in October. Yeah. It's not fun right now. No, it's actually it's scary because I'm afraid of what they would do to get him for two months thinking maybe they can sign him, which would be ridiculous. Well, there was there was a tweet that I saw, and um, I think it was John Claude Padre fan, Dan, that put it out there. Or whatever the hell his name yeah, is. Yeah, it's a uh, whatever the hell his fan name Van Dam, I think. Um, but he said he put something out there, and I don't want to speculate the teams or whatever. But um, he was like, maybe the Padres are checking in to see what the Orioles want from Machado or what their demands would be from Machado to kind of gauge what it would take to make a three-team trade. I like that idea. Maybe that's what it is, and that's great. Or maybe it's just Preller being Preller because he's also checked in on uh, allegedly. Goldschmidt, you know. So. I believe that. Although I think it was in jest in that, uh, you know, Smoke was just being a dope. Yeah, but I mean, it it it, it led to uh, that night, and it's it's so funny. We we're talking before we recorded today, uh, not this past episode with Woods, but the one before that, the false narrative, where we opened up the show with this fake bullshit, like, hey, yeah, they're going for it, they're going for it. And I well, said, Prella, you know, he's he's mediocre enough. Yeah. And I said as a joke, and you almost lost your shit. I was like, we're gonna have Derek Togerson on later to tell us. <laughs> the trades that the Padres could make (laughs) and sure as shit dude local media dipshit Derek Togerson comes out and he says well hey what if you know what if and his his whole argument was hey you know what sure they're not going to win this year but maybe you bring in Machado and he gets comfortable here and you kind of show him around San Diego and he likes it he's been in San Diego he played in the world baseball classic here and the Orioles have visited at least once if not twice since he's been on that team I'm not I'm not sure if he said that verbatim but it was it was to that point to where like hey you know get him comfortable here get him comfortable here so he'll sign long term and then so you get him saying that and then also um uh, Chad at the Chamber, uh, formerly of Padres Prospectus, and I'll use this with both hands doing air quotes right now, currently of Gwintelligence. <laughs> Chad at the Chomner. Um He and Marcus Pond were, were talking about um, the trade, and if you would package Urias for Tatis, knowing that it came with a guaranteed extension. Now, you mean Machado? Machado. Who did I say? Tatis. Sorry. You must have been following his Instagram. He had a shirtless uh, story on his uh, feed oh, there. Excuse yeah. me. So that kind of got me thinking. And he says, oh, it's a think piece, dipshit. Uh-huh. First of all, it's never going to happen. But... <laughs> it's a think piece. <laughs> I think you're an idiot. Is that what you were going for? But then it got me thinking, would you, if if you had a guaranteed shot at signing, don't pour that. If you had a guaranteed shot at signing uh, Machado to an extension, would you trade Urias for him? No. Maybe. Why not? I, I don't know. Basically, what he's asking. I need it in writing. Well, basically, what I know, but that's the thing that never happens that way. 
My issue with it, it's it's hard to say, and I'm sure I'm gonna get crapped on. It's it's hard to say because you just said that you would trade Urias. I would have traded for Machado for if I would, he had years of control. So this way you had. I years actually would. I said I would have traded Tatis for. Oh, I would so trade then, six years of Tatis for three years of Machado. So then of course you would trade Urias. Yeah, for I would do it. It's it's hard for me though, I'm, and I'm not attached to the prospects. Like I said, I would have fucking given up Urias for one and one to with Stanton if the Marlins would have eaten like half that contract. But the thing is, is that. It's hard to say because I don't think you don't. It, it's not going to happen. Like he doesn't come with that guarantee. When's the last time that happened? Never. Yeah, never, never yeah. happened. Right? That kind of stuff doesn't happen in baseball. I feel like. I feel like it happened when the and someone's going to add us. Oh well, actually, it happened in this time. Well, this time. it happened when. Uh, the it doesn't Car- happen often. When the Cardinals got um, Matt Holiday. Right. They tra- they traded that scrub Brett Wallace for him, <laughs> and the and the fucking. The A's gave up Carlos Gonzalez for three months of that. Yeah. Um, God, it's so bad. But uh, yeah, it happened. Like he stayed, right? He decided to sign. Um, it just it, it doesn't happen so rarely. If it was absolutely guaranteed in writing, he's like, I come here, and as soon as they trade him, he agrees to a contract. To really, it'd be nice if they just did a sign and trade. They should have those sign and trades. Yeah. Doesn't the NBA do that? I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's like okay, so he signed and trade. He, he trades him. He signs a four a ten year four hundred million dollar extension. Immediately upon doing so, absolutely, I would do that. Well, absolutely. As much as I love Arias, I don't think even with the spiked ball or the the you know the the tainted ball, I don't think he's going to hit for much power. I think he's going to be a really good defensive second baseman, a really good table setter type. But Machado is a franchise player. He's a, he is he is what we want Fernando Tatis to be. You could have two of those guys on the left side of your infield. It's just hard for me to think that way because it's like such, and I, I, uh, it's an MLB, the show lineup. I responded with a gif and I was like, Oh, welcome to the land of make believe. (laughs) It's hard for me to think that way because it's so dumb. It's not going to happen. Like if, if you want to trade, he's a free agent off season, sign him off season. He's not going to come in here and fall in love with San Diego and sign here. He's not going to do it. He'll just sign like in Anaheim. God. Or L.A. and then buy a home down here is what he'll do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I, I think it's it's very silly to uh, to think that uh, it makes sense. It's fun to, oh, they're kicking the tires, but they're they're nowhere near in, in a position to trade any prospects for anybody unless they got, I can't even think, like they'd have to get like a slam dunk guy, like literally like Labor Torres. <laughs> right. They'd have to get somebody they're going to have for the next four to, you know, three to four years. Legit, like if they'd have done that for um, Yelich, if they'd have traded for Yelich, who's really young, they're like, okay, we're gonna have him for the next three to four years. He'll be in his prime when we start to turn the ship around. That I can get behind a little bit more. Not, not a two month rental who you're guaranteed to lose, and you don't get a draft pick out of it either. There's literally no win in that scenario. Yeah, not at all. So speaking of winning scenarios, as we transition off here, we're gonna have Marcus Pond from Mad Friars on. We've already mentioned it. Give us a couple of stories here. Um, but before we do so, we do want to officially announce the 5.5 Bluntly Padres crossover, which yeah. will be uh, recording tomorrow. Yes, with the old the old collab. Yeah. Uh, we will be recording tomorrow. Eric and I have turned down the extension to uh, go on Periscope while we smoke. No, thank you. We're not getting gypped, <laughs> you bastards. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I already have clobbering time. Like, we'll, yeah, we'll stick yeah, with that. I'll stick with clobbering time yeah. uh, for now. But yeah, we will be uh, recording the episode tomorrow. I have yeah. no idea when it will be released, but... That ought to be pretty fun. Apologizes, uh, I have apologized to Matt in advance, and I'll apologize to our audience here. Uh, if I cough, 
on the microphone <laughs> or into the microphone during the show. Oh, they don't have a microphone, bro. They record right onto the laptop. Oh, well, if I cough into the laptop, what do we record on? <laughs> a laptop. Yeah. <laughs> should just bring the Yeti mic. Yeah, like he told me before. He goes, hey, dude, like I hope it's okay, but we, we just record right on the laptop. He knows we're just sitting in your bar, like on your like, kitchen counter, right? I don't give a shit how you guys record, you fucking... Anyways, um, so they were, uh, yeah, they were talking today about having us on. I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, I listened to their pod today from Sunday, which I'm like, oh, hey, you guys haven't done a show in two weeks. And they're going to turn around and do a show two days before you have us on. That's great. That's great. Um, I think they just want to get us I'm on kidding. there and get us baked. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Uh, that'll be fun. And we also found out that. So some Sunday League follies in there. Turns out we have played against and uh, with. Yeah, Mr. Luan. Not against Luan, but yeah, we played with Luan on the uh, on the Assassins. How about that? That is hilarious. Yeah, fact. once once he mentioned that, I said, dude, I know exactly who you are. I remember you. I, I have an idea. I never I never figured it out before, but yeah, it was funny. Well, there you go. Yeah. So I think it's uh it's gonna be exciting tomorrow to see how that goes. Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, maybe we should throw Padres Twitter out there, just a Padres Twitter question. Just Why to... would we? We're guests. That's true. We're guests on their show. That's true. It's their. It's, it's their a collaboration. Ship. It's their ship. We're just passengers. So what the hell was Woods doing driving the ship last week? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, steering the ship. Yeah. So, maybe maybe we just pulled a uh, an office on him and let Dwight think he was steering the ship, but really there's a there you there's go <laughs> somebody else in the cockpit. So there was. Um, what you brought up Woods. He he brought up this thing. There's kind of some talk here about an uh, new media versus an old media baseball game. Oh god, this sounds so good. And Nick McCann from the Kept Faith, he uh he posted he posted that. He said, Hey, we've kinda of had the idea of doing like that type of baseball game and then having us there, meaning him, Dallas and Travis, doing like the commentary. You pansies, you guys gotta game. play. Yeah. Commentary. Get on the field. I don't want those guys on the I field. have a torn LCL. I'll do the commentary. <laughs> yeah, I don't want those guys on the field. No offense. Um so they're they're trying to like they're kind of making up a roster. Woods was, and he he dipped into the TV guys. Cheating is what he's doing. So he dipped in the TV guys, and uh, supposedly we are facing the likes of uh, Tony Gwynn Jr., uh, Steve Finley, uh, Sweeney, and then Carlos Hernandez, and then after Andy Ashby's on TV. Hensley. Yeah. So so those were the first four, I think, verbatim of Woods' lineup, and then Judson, who played minor league ball. I didn't know that. Yeah, he it was like a year or two, but Judson played minor league Further ball, than so what he I got. would be so he would be five, and then Woods puts himself into the six hole yeah. playing shortstop. <laughs> shortstop. Yeah. So Woods would be at short <laughs> in the six hole, and then I think he has like Paul Rindle playing third. I was like, man, you guys fall off a cliff after that. <laughs> after that, uh, where's DS spot. batting? Um, oh, I think Darren Smith was either it's, seventh or eighth, and he's playing second base. <laughs> so where's the where's Kaplan hitting? I don't know. He didn't have Kaplan on there. Not Billy Ray either. No, but and that's the thing. When I thought of a game of like quote us Axel versus has them, to be there. Well, when I thought that, I said, okay, it's me, radio guys, like Kaplan and Br. Yeah, you know, and then and then here Woods goes fucking picking off the TV guys, and so supposedly we're gonna be facing Clay Hensley. Did anybody jump on signing Kevin Klein? No. <laughs> no, they didn't. So it kind of got me thinking about like a, a team that, that we would assemble as uh, the uh, quote-unquote new media. And Lujan's starting. Yeah, Lujan's First starting. and foremost, he's starting. Well, also, and we got to ask him about it, but Wynette was saying that he also pitches, if I oh. remember hearing it right. Marver's got it. Marver plays, right? Marver, Marver pitches. He says he throws mid-70s with junk and deception. <laughs> that sounds like Woods. So Marver, yeah, Marver would be playing out there. I'm playing first base. I got that unlocked. I'm not going to hit worth the shit. I can't fucking hit anymore, dude. It's driving me nuts. But I'm playing first. 
Um, I don't know who like who would play second. I think James Clark would be a third because I've seen. I can play second. I mean, well, given health, yeah, I'm technically a right fielder. Yeah, I can go play. I'm not bad at second. Yeah, you can stand at second base. Yeah. I don't know who would play short for us. We'd have to figure figure that out. But then you have the uh, 805 boys coming in too. They're also wild cards because That's they right. used to play. So uh, Woods I feel like over there. I feel like the 805 boys. We could stick one of them at short. Yeah, yeah. One of them could like figure Luke out. Luke could probably short. figure it out. Yeah, one of them could figure it out. But um, Woods is sitting there and he's counting. He's like, "Dude, we'll spot you three runs." And at first, I'm like, "Oh, dude." I'm like, "Shit." Like, I don't know, man. Like, who's all going to pitch for us? I'm not sure. This is before I realized that Lujan was, you know, the Lujan that I remember. But I'm sitting there. I'm like, who's going to pitch for us? Man, they got Steve Finley. They got Mark Sweeney. They got uh, Tony Gwynn Jr. Third grade me is shaking in my boots. (laughs) That's the thing. With the exception of Tony Gwynn Jr., all those other guys are in their their late 40s. (laughs) Steve Finley's like 53. I'm like, dude, I'm not worried about these guys at all. I would heckle this shit out of Finley. Tell like... Here you go, Finley. Let's make some contact. Let's make some contact. <laughs> I am not Don't worried. whiff like you did in the restaurant biz. Yeah, I am not worried about that whatsoever, dude. So Sweeney, I feel like, would just talk himself out of an at-bat. Yeah. I really... <laughs> dude, I really hope... I really hope that that the conversation around that doesn't die because I want that to happen really We got to get AC and uh, Canepa out there too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Canepa can be the old burly manager. Yeah. He goes out there and kicks dirt on the umpire. Yeah, and tell you how much better he was in 85. (laughs) (laughs) The game was so much better back then and so was I. Have yeah. uh, have Hacksaw have Hacksaw out there interviewing players in between the. Innings. I'm I'm willing to say that we would beat them rather hey, easily. You know what? You know what else? Even too? take those TV guys with you, and we still beat them easily. You know what? We get Palais because he's in the podcast world no, right no, now. No, 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 that's another thing. Woods determined that that they get Palais. Why do they get Palais? <laughs> I don't know. He's not in radio anymore. He's a, he's a podcast guy, as uh, far as we know. I don't know. That's horseman or Woods. Yeah, I don't oh, know. Oh, jeez. So, big licking us big time. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm really he looking He must be mad that. at my career two for 15 off of him. Yeah, so guys uh, guys who are listening, like Nick from uh, Nick or anyone else that's listening, please keep the foot on the gas because I want this to happen. As I think it's going to be a lot of fun. At least like a charity softball game would yeah, be fun. Yeah, I, I, that's one thing. I think that those guys would be more willing to play if it's softball yeah rather than baseball woods of course hey guys let's play you know woods wants to play baseball if you do softball if you do softball there's going to be a lot more people that are into it and they'll do it and it's safer softball and it's safer i don't know about that but i mean you know not for me but i mean that might be something no woods knows guys maybe maybe try to get dave and jeff in on this and see if we get like a charity podcast versus old media softball game going yeah I would I would like that. I would rather play baseball, but I'm just saying if you can't I don't get want to enough kill anybody. If you can't get enough quote old media guys to play baseball, then present it as a softball game. I I think the risk in terms of getting hurt in baseball and softball softball is much safer. I mean, how many people get hurt in our like league uh, or or work league? Yeah. Yeah. Very rarely anybody. There's some people though that smoke the ball, dude. Yeah, so, I have a guy in my section. He's the third baseman on the that one. I think the Dragons or whatever. He's the big old burly guy. Uh, dude, he ski rakes. I don't want to play third base. Yeah, so, so I don't. But know. I mean, how many of these guys are really gonna? I don't think uh, they're worried about injury. I don't I think, think so either. Yeah. yeah. So, so that, um, that, speaking of softball, though, I was gonna say that brings us to the softball thing. So the kinda, Padres Twitter softball team. I want to hear more on this. I threw it out there, man, and I'm like, dude. Caught fire, LeBou. I threw it out Saturday. So Saturday night, I went and played in some stupid uh, work softball game that AJ invited me to. That's my cousin, Eric's friend. And I'm like, dude, I love like I love playing softball. It's fun. It's easy to hit. It's super <laughs> easy for me to hit. I love it. 
So I threw it out there. I was sitting around and I was like, damn, dude. I put it out there. I was like, man, I love the idea of a Padre Twitter softball team. I'm not running it. I'm just saying I love the idea. And so many people started commenting, hey, I'm down. I'm down. I'm down. I'm totally down. And so I'm thinking, I'm like, damn. I'm like, first of all, it went from me not wanting to run it to me thinking, oh, we have more than enough for one team to now me saying, hey, we might have two teams. Yeah. So like I'm looking at I'm like, dude, I think it'd be a lot of fun. So I looked into it. Uh, for Tuesdays, if we want to do co-ed, I think obviously to be more inclusive of everyone on Padres Twitter, we should probably do the co-ed. I agree. Uh, we've I, I've played in both men's and in co-ed, and co-ed is much more laid back. Yeah, so this is just something we go, we drink beers, fun. and play softball. So um, it's Tuesdays at 6 p.m. It's co-ed. It's in East County, right there, the heart of East County in Poway, uh, the Poway Sportsplex. So if you guys are down, let me know. Uh, Angela has kindly offered, Angela at Bullpen Babe from the Hell's Bells podcast. Has Please stop trying to set me up on your podcast, by the way. <laughs> Please. <laughs> she, has, she has kindly offered to help run it and send out emails and uh, keep score and uh, do all that, which uh, I might take her up on it. But at the end of the day, I don't want to run it. But if that's what it takes, I really think that it would be a lot of fun to get everyone together. I think we should have a big meetup slash uh, practice just to see what we have. Like, hey, yeah. everyone who says they're down, you need to be under the assumption that it's probably going to run you about 55 to $60 to play for the season. Which is about, I want to say, a third of what I paid to play for half baseball. a season of adult baseball. Yeah, it's about a third of the cost of baseball. But it would be about $60 for maybe for probably 10 games for the season. Plus playoffs. If, you're, if you know you're okay paying that and you want to come out and play. It, we, also, it is also about, I think, five bucks to get into the game. Three game, three yeah, dollars. There you go, three, three dollars. But get you in, get a beer. You get a, a drink token that you can take in and get, you know, put it towards a beer or get a, a Powerade or, you know, any sort of drink. So if you guys are down for that, let me know, at MiserableSDFan on Twitter. Um, if you want to play, I want to see how many people that we have that are actually down and that can commit to every Tuesday at 6 p.m. at the Sportsplex. If you can commit to that and you are fully aware and you are okay with it being 55 to $60 for you to play, let me know. Um, Angela, if you're listening to this, I want to get a big practice slash see what we have together to see how many people we have. Do we have one team or do we have two teams? Um, I think that'd be a lot of fun. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, I really want Kevin Charity to come out. I will say that. <laughs> He's not going to. He's just making fucking excuses. I'm a single dad and I find a way. Come on, yeah, man. He's he's not going to come out, dude. I, I can guarantee he's not going to come out. But Marver said he would come out. I would love that. Which I love. Only if Marver sits there and keeps stats so I can know what my weighted runs created plus in my war is <laughs> relative play, to the team. We'll play him at second base all year and bat him third as a tribute <laughs> to Jose Perella. So Let's go get Marcus Pond. Yeah, we have Marcus Pond coming in. We'll be right back. <laughs> All right, everybody, we are back with Marcus Pond of Mad Friars, straight out of Texas. How's it going, Marcus? Howdy, y'all. How's it going? <laughs> this is beautiful. We appreciate uh, having you on, sir. We know it was kind of last minute, but uh, we want to jump right into it. Um, you had an interview with uh, Robert Stock, who, of course, just got called up. A very interesting story. Very Padre-esque story. Um, what can you tell us about uh, Robert Stock, what we can expect, um, his quirks as a person and a player? Well, I was doing my due diligence, my prep work uh, before I came on. Uh, we appreciate and I was, that. 
as I, as I always do. Rank amateur. Uh, <laughs> and I, I was listening to uh, I was listening to what I said last time, and last time I was on, which is the beginning of May. I was like, oh yeah, I got this coming up. It's a Robert Stock interview. Uh, so fortunately, I printed, I finally got that taken care of like the day before, <laughs> like like today. Uh, so it took a while to get up there, but uh, Robert Stock uh, was a pretty good guy to talk to. Uh, um, I'm 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 a I'm 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 in my 30s, so he's the closest player I've interviewed to my own age. Uh, <laughs> I'm used to talking to kids that were born like in the you know like the late 90s, like early 2000s. Um, but uh, he was uh, he he was he was a really cool guy to talk to. Uh, he's uh, pretty like obviously super humble. Um, he. Uh, you know he's uh, he's a guy that has traveled around a lot. Like he started off, um, you, you, as as you can read in my piece and other pieces, uh, he was like a second round pick by the Cardinals in 2009. Wow. Um, and at that time he was a catcher, uh, and so you know we talked a little bit about uh, you know why he made that transition. He's like, oh, well they told me to because <laughs> uh, <laughs> wasn't very good at hitting, but. Uh, uh, but uh, he you know, he's bounced around a couple different organizations. Uh, at one point, he was in, in independent ball. Um, at one point, he was in Mexico playing. Uh, actually, with uh, one of the uh, he played for like one of the manager or one of the guys. Oh, the, the manager uh, in Jalisco, where he was playing, uh, has some sort of affiliation to the uh, to the Padres. And so, I talked a little bit, a little bit, a little bit about that. Um, my my first like when I first became aware of Robert Stock, it, it's. Uh, it was during spring training, um, and I remember watching. I was watching the game where he struck out like Anthony Rizzo and uh, and uh, Chris Bryant. And I remember as he came in, I was like, you know what? I cover so many Padres prospects. I've never even heard of this guy. I'm just gonna go ahead and turn it off. Like I didn't even watch it. <laughs> and then like later on, I flipped to it, and they're like. I can't believe he struck out those guys, and it turned into a gif. Him like smiling off the, you know, like as he like walks off the field, and I was like, man, I, I missed that, but I, I like this guy now. And uh, so he started off the year um, in San Antonio, and we talked a little bit about that and kind of what he was working on, uh, basically working on his uh, changeup because, uh, as you may or may not know, uh, he you know became sort of like YouTube famous for 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 his workouts and eventually being able to throw 100 miles an hour. That happened. Um, after he was signed by the Padres, so he got he, he got signed by the Padres, you know, to minor league deal, and then he was able to throw 100 miles an hour, and then you know spring training came, and and he kind of made a pretty good impression there. Um, so talk a little bit about that, and then uh, you know since then uh, he he did he had a pretty pretty solid start in uh, in San Antonio as a reliever coming out of the bullpen, and then uh, he got the pretty quick promotion up, up to uh, El Paso, and uh, while he was there, um, he eventually became like their closer. He converted on six out of seven save opportunities, and he uh, uh, he was striking out guys at like a fifteen k per nine rate. Um, so the dude's got the dude's got some cheese. Um, <laughs> Sounds like the, uh, hot Velveta cheddar. Yeah, yeah. The uh, I asked him. I was like, hey, so like you know, just being a catcher, like did that influence your? You know, does that influence your how you attack hitters at the plate? And he's basically like, "Well, my control's not that good, so it doesn't really matter." <laughs> like, Definitely like a So, like, he's like a rear back and fire it, and um, he he does he does have a little bit of a uh, little probably a few more walks than you want for a reliever, um, but uh, but he's had success, uh, you know, in El Paso. And if you, if you, I mean, really, if you can do well in El Paso, then you, you know, uh, especially as a reliever, I, I think I think he'll he'll do okay for for uh, for San Diego. And we've already seen a couple guys come up 
Adam Simber was a guy that uh, that did well last year for the, for the Padres in the minor leagues, and he's doing well this year. Uh, same with Jose Castillo. So I fully anticipate him to you know he'll probably have some stretches where you know he's maybe struggling with with his uh, with his location, but uh, I think he'll I think he's another example of the Padres finding. Uh, you know, a good bullpen arm in a place where you probably wouldn't have expected to find him. Yeah, definitely. Now, um, if you guys want to read the interview, you can go to madfires.com. Make sure you subscribe. Um, but what I found particularly, well, I thought it was kind of funny because it kind of seems like how he was. It, he seems like the type, and correct me if I'm wrong, but he seems like the type where you kind of had to make sure you're on point with the questions to kind of get some out of him because there's not really like, basically it's like, Hey, how did you go from the journey of being a catcher to now a pitcher? And he just kind of said, well, they just told me that I was Matheny told me that that's what's going to happen. So, um, was he kind of that type? Like, Hey, you got to kind of frame the questions to set him up to where it's something other than like, yeah, no, yeah, no. I mean, like a little bit, you know, I'm like, hey, like, so like, what do you throw out there? And he just kind of gave me like a four word answer. And I was like, OK, all right. And, uh, <laughs> I throw strikes. Like I, yeah. Like yeah, I asked, like I saw on Twitter because uh, I mentioned even last time he's, he's a good follow on Twitter. But he mentioned like he's like, oh, I'm reading this book. And so I'm like, hey, like what kind of baseball books do you recommend? He's like, I don't read baseball books. <laughs> like, oh, OK, so, uh, you know, but he's but he's still pretty funny and uh, like super humble. Like, he, you know, he. Uh, I, I don't always put in interviews, but sometimes I put like, you know, laughs like in response to the thing that I said or something. But I mean, he was pretty, he's pretty easy going. Um, and I think, I think that kind of comes with the territory with when you are, uh, an older guy that's breaking with a bunch of guys who, you know, were drafted, you know, like seven years after you or who, you know, became professional seven years after you, I think you kind of, uh, you kind of learn to adapt. And uh, I think he's, uh, he seems like a pretty good you know, Padres story for, for the year, I think. Oh, for sure. I mean, we got to hang on to stories like this because the product on the field with the big club is, you know, it's just not horrid. there. So um, also he being a former catcher, uh, you kind of brought it up and he said, hey, I already went to Wellman, their manager, and asked. But um, in a pinch, he's willing to go back there. And he actually looks forward to throwing the gear on to catch. Is is that is that right? Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, he's definitely uh, <laughs> I mean, like he's I think it's one of those things where like if you want to be like if if you want to, he wants to be a major leaguer. I don't think he really cares how. So I mean, if that, you know, if that helps somehow being a pitcher slash catcher, like the, the dude would do it. And uh, like like that, that's basically been his goal. He's like, you know, I know I'm going to do this. So you know, whatever whatever it takes to do it, I'll I'll, I'll do it. And he's uh, definitely like a workhorse as far as like you know working out. Like he's uh, throwing 100 miles an hour does not, did not come naturally. I mean, he had to work towards that, and so that was a big deal for him. And and uh, it, there, there I, I linked some video in in the uh, in the post too but you can also just look it up like when he when he finally throws 100 miles an hour like the dude's pumped he's oh, amped he like he's, he's stoked <laughs> for that he's basically what we had hoped that christian bethencourt could be yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well and and and, and actually the, the potters are trying that again um not with the catcher per se but there's uh, uh i think he played like i can't remember if infielder outfield but uh, carlos belen um he played uh he played in like Elsinore last year uh, for oh, a little yeah. bit, um, and they, he's actually back in Arizona right now with the, one of the AZL teams, and they're working on converting him to a pitcher as well. So, they're, uh, you know, that's not the last of them. There's probably some more. They're trying. They're trying to. They're trying to squeeze value out of every last prospect they can get. Um, in terms of stock, obviously, he's not really a prospect just because of his age. He might be one of those finds you mentioned. Simber. They also have Hand and Yates guys. They just kind of discover what. If things work out, um, just based on scouting reports, what you've heard from guys that maybe you've sat around when he pitches, on the highest upside end, what can we hope for out of Robert Stock? Is he like 
maybe a mid reliever like a Simber? Does he possibly project as a high leverage reliever because of his velocity and working on multiple off-speed stuff? What can we hope, best case scenario, to come out of him? Um, well, you know, my my guess would be you know maybe like a seventh inning guy. Uh, I, I wouldn't put him as a. Uh, I mean, although he did well as a closer in, in El Paso, I wouldn't put it past him to be able to you know step into that role. But I think for the Padres bullpen this year, um, you know, if they do trade hand, maybe you move you know you, you, you move Yates, or I guess you kind of keep him you know, depending on how how it does. But you know, if you if you have Yates as your closer, uh, you know, I think he profiles as you know someone who could come in like the seventh or the eighth and kind of set things up. Um, I mean, as long as he as long as he can uh, uh, control the walks, I, I think is really the main thing. Because I think other than that, he does uh, he does a pretty good job of making hitters miss. Um, I don't know if y'all saw it today on uh, you know on Twitter, but uh, the pitching ninja had some pretty pretty gnarly gifts of his like first couple strikeouts. It was uh, oh, yeah. the, so he's he's got some he's got some nastiness in his uh, in his repertoire. Sure, I'll take that base uh, seventh inning guy, maybe a little bit more. Um, speaking of a little bit more. Uh, we're going to transition into some uh, position players, really just one in particular, Luis Urias, who I think everybody would have bet a pretty decent penny on would be up by now. Obviously, he's not. And as uh, Conniff told us a couple weeks ago when we had him on, he's not really doing that well. What's what's going on with Urias at this point? Where does he stand with the organization um, in terms of production? How's he being viewed and when can we expect to see him up? Well, I mean, I think you're going to wait until he actually starts, you know, performing at a at a higher level than he has been. Uh, last year, the you know his kind of his calling card was you know walking it almost as much as he struck out, or walking more than he struck out, um, and that has not been you know the case this year. He's, uh, I think, uh, you know, when you think of El Paso, you think of a hitters league, but it's really more of like a hitters like you know for power numbers, uh, which is not really part of uh, Urias's game this year. He's playing uh, 404, which is uh, pretty much on par with you know where he's been in the past. Uh, last year he was lugging about 380, so it's up a little bit. Um, but against just the the advanced pitching, he struggled. Uh, he's striking out at, at a higher clip. Uh, he's still walking. He's still getting walks. Um, but um, but uh, he's 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 not putting the ball into play as much. Uh, a lot of those ground balls that uh, I I remember like on a podcast that I did with Chad for Padres for the old Padres perspectives. Uh, rest in the peace. Glory days. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I remember. I remember telling him I was like, you know, like I feel like I, I really like him, and I, I, but I feel like sometimes, uh, you know, against the, that like the the lower quality defense, those grounders are able to find holes, um, and that, you know, obviously the higher up you go, uh, the less chance that those grounders are, are finding holes and, and you know helping you get on base. So uh, for right now, I mean, I think you'll see him up as soon as he can kind of just start hitting the ball more. He's uh, his on base is is. <laughs> It's 371, which is really good, but a lot of it is... <laughs> Man, he sucks. Like, Why can't he bring that on what? base up? Scrub. Yeah, it's like Bust. one of those things where it's like like 371 on base. Like that. That's like his lowest since like uh, 2015. Wow. Like, <laughs> so, but but uh, but you know, but hitting 262, like you're going to want to see more of him, especially because... Uh, you know, when he gets to the majors, that's going to be against even you know even higher quality pitching. Plus, he's only 21. Um, so, I mean, I I did think that if he was doing well, you know, around this time that he might get pulled up. And of course, you know, with how well the other first baseman on the team are doing, you know, you'd like to be able to see a, a new option. Um, but uh, you know, I think I think the organizations will have you know to be patient with him because 
you know, there's no reason to rush him. Like I said, he's, he's still only 21. Um, and if you're not doing, you know, if you're not tearing up the AAA and, and you're 21, there's no reason to rush him. So hopefully he can catch fire and hopefully he can kind of get that, uh, get that swing back. Um, I know that, you know, there's been, you know, watching him just kind of watching that leg lift that he had. It's a little, you know, it, it's, it's varied at, at different points there. So it seems like he's trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and so I, I mean, I have no doubt that he'll figure out, uh, that he'll figure out eventually. We'll give him some time. Cause like I said, he's only 21 and. And uh, he'll he's he's shown in the past he's able, been able to adjust you know when, even when he hits like a down like like a like a rough patch like he's going through right now. Sure. Now I'm, I'm going to cut Eric off here because he was pointing at me to ask a question. But I wanted to bring up the leg kick because um, I've read that it looks bigger this year than it was last year. Is that something you've noticed? Do you think he's trying to incorporate more power, get a bigger leg kick, create more leverage, and maybe that's part of why he's struggling? Well, I mean, quote unquote, struggling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think it's definitely possible like, because like there have been times where I where I've been watching him and you know it's like the leg lift seems more pronounced and then he'll you know he'll he'll knock one out. Uh, he's you know he's got he's actually got six home runs, which is more than he's ever had. Uh, I mean, like I guess he yeah, I guess he had six uh, in 2016 with between a couple different teams, but uh, I mean, so he's got as many home runs as he had before. So he's 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 kind of tapping into a little bit more of that launch angle power, uh, but. Uh, but I think that when you're doing that, you, your swing gets long. You, you're you're less able to you know to kind of get around on those, and that's not necessarily part of his game. I think that's probably what they want him to work on a lot uh, is kind of tapping into a little bit of that power so that you're not just uh, you know punching Judy hitter when you get to the majors. Um, and he's trying to kind of think probably just get every bit of that five nine frame into the pitch that that he hits. Um, but, uh, but as of right now, like it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not playing into his strength. And so I think it's one of those things like we, we when you have a pitcher that's, you know, trying to work on something, you know, you, you go to a game, well, he didn't do very well. Well, he was trying to throw his curveball more than usual because he's trying to work on that thing. And I think that that could be what's happening with your race. He's trying to try to tap into that power. And so, you know, the numbers might not look as good, but you know, when it comes down to it, if you wanted to do it, maybe, maybe that should change. I'm, I'm not really sure. I haven't spoken to him, uh, since he's been in El Paso, but, um, uh, but you know, that I think that could be could be a possible explanation of uh you know how his game has been going this year yeah so let me ask you this you mentioned the uh famed Padres prospectus days um you put out an interview with Luis Urias that I reference all the time so I absolutely loved it kind of take us back to that set the scene uh what was it like what kind of questions did you ask and correct me if I'm wrong you did the interview in Spanish right yeah 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 um uh well and and I, I mentioned this on the last podcast like um and 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 I'm not sure what it's like on on other other affiliates, um, but like when I first you know contacted the missions uh, PR guy, I was like, hey, listen, I'd like to talk to some players, and he's like, yeah, no problem. So I kind of gave him a list, and and I've gone not always knowing you know who I'm going to talk to, and it's hard to prep for like you know eight different players, and when I when I know I'm only going to talk like two or three at the most. Right. Um, but uh, so I was trying to think like what I could do to maximize like my ability to talk to him. Um, so I remember I wore like my, uh, my Aguilas de Mexicali hat, which is like a Mexican winter league baseball team that his, uh, that I knew that, um, Luis Arias's brother had played for a couple summer, a couple of winters ago. And so I was like, if I, you know, wore my hat, so maybe he'll say something, uh, which he did. <laughs> like, I, you know, like he, he walked past and he's like, Hey, like, where'd you get that hat? And I was like, Oh, it's my team. And he's like, Oh, like that's, you can tell, like, you know, like he, even though my Spanish, like it's he did comment yeah. Like he did comment me on my Spanish after the interview, but I, I, you know, he could definitely tell that I wasn't like a native speaker by any stretch. Um, and so he was like, "Oh, there's this white guy talking to me in Spanish about a Mexican team that my brother played for." Like that's you know, <laughs> kind of 
kind of random. And so then he kind of kept going in his business and then, you know, went back inside the clubhouse. And later on, uh, you know, Rich, the, the missions PR guy, super, super great guy, brought him back out. We talked for a little bit. Um, super, super humble guy. Uh, I mean, it was probably the, the thing that um, the thing that was probably the most surprising was, you know, him. I felt like maybe speaking Spanish. I mean, he maybe thought that I was like from, uh, you know, uh, like a Spanish or, you know, like a Mexican based, you know, site or something, because it was a lot of like, oh, yeah, you know, like tell people back home in Mexico that, you know, that I'm playing for him. And I was like, you know, like that the whole Padres organization is like in love with you. Like we're like, you're like our guy right now, because this is kind of before Tatis had really taken off. Oh, yeah. Um, so he was like the, you know, the number one position player prospect. Um, but, you know, super humble guy and and uh, and really hard working, um, you know, kind, kind of quiet and kept to himself. Uh, but uh but a really solid dude, um, and kind of just uh, seemed like he was just, you know, he's just there to play, he's there to ball. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, it sounds he sounds like a great guy. So we're all hoping that uh, he turns it around because I think you're right. I think everybody's ready to see a a different uh, movie at second base in the uh, Padres theater. Now, speaking of him no long no longer being our guy, my new Mexican love of the day, and I believe yours as well. Is Tirsor Anellis? How good has he been so far? Uh, he's, I mean, he's been great. I mean, when you look at um, when you look at the numbers uh, for a lot of the Fort Wayne guys, it's the same thing that you saw last year. Last year, at the beginning of the season, the, the Tin Caps were like one of the worst teams in the league. Um, they were also the youngest. Uh, you know, guys like Tatis and Hudson Potts were just striking out a ton. Uh, they weren't really doing a whole lot offensively, and uh, you know. They had, they had a couple of good pitchers. Logan Allen was doing all right for them, uh, but for the most part, they were struggling. Then once the All Star break hit, then they turned it on and uh, they started raking Hudson Potts. Is, is uh, he, he did really well? He's actually doing even better this year in Lake Elsinore. Uh, Tatis obviously skipped like high A and is now doing his thing in, in Double A. Bastard! And so that got to see him. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, but uh, this year, uh, it's the same thing for a lot of those tin caps, and none more so than Tierstone or Nelas. Uh, he's uh, you know, uh, he's, you know, he's younger. He's still, an, you know, still a teenager. Uh, and he started off the year. Um, the, the, the thing that I love the most about him and obviously never gotten, just, uh, you know, when he was in the AZL, just checking box scores and seeing, you know, what kind of player he was. Um, he, uh, you know, what I loved about him was the same thing that I loved about, uh, Luis Arias is that he, you know, he walked more than he struck out. I think as a Padre fan, anytime, you know, you just see those like Tony Gwynn type numbers where it's like, oh, he he walks more than he strikes out. He hardly strikes out. Like I just I just love those kind of players that can put the bat on the ball. Um, but uh, obviously uh, with uh, with Urias, he's like a you know a middle infielder. He's five nine, um, so like you don't really anticipate him being much of a power guy. Tiers Ornelas is six three. Um, he's a big corner outfielder guy, and for for being eighteen, uh, the dude has started. He's I think he's kind of finally tapping into a little bit of that power. Uh, at the beginning of the year in April, he was like, you know, his OPS was like 743. May was 721, uh, and he's getting hot right now. Right now, he's got four home runs for the month of June. His OPS is a uh, 1.023, and uh, he's got 13 walks against 11 strikeouts. Uh, nice. So, you know, that on top of like a couple, I, you know, I've, I've seen some video of him like throwing out guys from right field, uh, you know, on, on like a sack fly. Like the dude is. Um, He's definitely, you know, he, I felt like at the beginning of the year, you know, I was a big fan of him and a couple other people knew him. Um, but I think I think he's I think he's the next guy to kind of start, start blowing up. Just remember who saw him first, Pond. Me. It was me. <laughs> no, gotcha. Horse shit. That's horse manure and you know it. Anyways, um, hey, do you hey, think hey, he gets hey, a call up? Sorry, oh, shout, out to Josh, shout out to Josh on Padres Twitter because 
Uh, every time that anybody tweets anything about Tears Ornelas, he adds me right away. Uh, and I respond appropriately with an office themed GIF of some He needs to put some respect on my name, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've gotten into that tagging you every time I see Tearsil also, so I hope that's okay with you. Oh, <laughs> uh, most definitely. Most okay. definitely. Good. So he's, I'm looking at Slash Line right now per uh, baseball reference 273, 372, 437. Um, of course, he's 18 years old, and forgive me for being overly excited, but. Is there any point that he gets called up at um, towards the end of the year? Or does he just finish out this year at uh, Fort Wayne? And when um, I say called up, obviously uh, I mean to Lake Elsinore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, like looking at how I mean, if he started getting really hot, like you know, like how Tatis did at the end at the end of his time in, in single, I, I could maybe see that. Um, I would say that he's still only eighteen. Like he turned eighteen in March, so like he was seventeen to start the year. Um, and so I'd say, you know, even though Hudson Potts got hot towards the end of the year, he had taken a while to get to that point. So I, I'd imagine he stays in single A uh, with Fort Wayne for the rest of the year. But, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that it couldn't happen, but uh, I think they probably got some other guys on, on the on the Fort Wayne team. Uh, they have uh, um, they have like Robbie Podorsky. I'm not sure I'm saying that right, but, um, you know, he's he's a guy that that's like a college guy that they probably want to see how he can do in, in Lake Elsinore. They're probably he'll probably get a call up first, even if. Ornelas is, uh, you know, is is has some better numbers, and I I imagine he probably stays with Fort Wayne this season. Okay, well, cool. I, I mean, we won't hold you to it. If he uh, goes up to Elsinore, we'll be very excited. But, um, yeah, anyways, yeah. yeah. As as always, Marcus, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, you you said you're coming out this way at some point this year. Yeah, uh, no, yeah, we're leaving. Uh, my family's leaving Saturday morning. Really? So uh, we'll this be this Saturday. Yeah, we'll be. Yep, we'll we'll be in San Diego Sunday night, and I will be there for two weeks. So. Uh, Oh, cool. So uh, hopefully, go to an hopefully, again? I mean, uh, at least at least one. Ho- hopefully for a couple. We're, I, we're going to the the Padres game where they're doing like a Tony Gwynn jersey giveaway on the 11th. Oh, awesome. Um, but but around there, you know, before and after, uh, should be hitting up some late, uh, some uh, some late Gellisner games. So hit me up on Twitter if you're gonna go, and then I'll I'll be in contact with you guys too, so we can. Oh, that's awesome. Up. Yeah, that hey, follow awesome. him at uh, at Marcus SDTX, and uh, maybe we'll see you out in Elsinore, pal. All right, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, Marcus. So as always, great stuff from Marcus. Well, that's pretty cool. Maybe we'll have like a big... Uh, I don't know if him and Conniff are going to be in town at the same time. I have Conniff a better idea be anyways. We should just bump Charity on the Elsinore trip for Pond. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, he's going to have his family with him. So, oh, that's true. That's uh, true. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, that'd we'll, be awesome. we'll head up there. Maybe if... Uh, yeah, I don't know if Conniff's going to be out at the same time, but that'd be awesome to have a big Mad Friars meetup there that'd at, be awesome. yeah, at yeah. Elsinore. So that'd be cool. Um, it's funny. So we cut off, cut off the interview there with him um, as Robert Stock is into the game right now in Texas. So um, that was kind of he just gave up a fly ball to Renfro. Who's not going to get there? So that was a lot of fun on Sunday. So big day on Sunday. Not only was it the debut of Robert Stock, it was also the birthday of our close personal friend, friend of the show, noted listener to the Five Point Five podcast, Phil Hughes. It's his birthday on Sunday. <laughs> I didn't see it coming. He is out right now. He is battling a rhomboid. I believe that's what how you pronounce it. What the hell is it. that? Somebody he, get H.J. Preller on the case, yes. Dr. Preller. So he's on the uh, on the DL right now with a rhomboid issue. But uh, make sure you guys at Phil Hughes and let him know that you would have no idea that it was his birthday unless you listen to the 5.5 podcast. So At 5.5 podcast. At 5.5 podcast. So uh, as always, we're still efforting. Uh, Phil Hughes, my listener count's going up there. 3,000 is right around the corner. Um, so we will uh, we'll see about that. But at Phil Hughes, uh, wish him a happy birthday. At PJ Hughes, 45, happy belated. 
from your friends at the 5.5 podcast. So uh, we'll check in next week uh, with Phil Hughes. No, I'm kidding. Um, We'll see you guys next week. We're out of here.